Good morning. Welcome to the next episode of Adamas. I am truly humbled to be joined by <laughs> Ruth Naylor. Good morning, Ruth. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. Yeah, really well. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. I've been trying to get you in my diary for months, <laughs> but you've had bigger it's and just, better things to do. No, it's just you that I say that to. It's just you. <laughs> well, I won't say that person. Um, for the benefit of people listening, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, please? Yes, absolutely. So I'm Ruth Naylor. I'm a Manchester-based uh, mum, predominantly. I'm an ex-banker. I now am the operations director of a small entrepreneurial marketing business. I'm the chair of a recently launched charity committee, which is where you and I initially met. Yeah. And I've had, I guess, an unusual ride over the last couple of years or so. I was diagnosed with cancer two, 18 months ago, 19 months ago. And my life has changed considerably, which has led us to the point of having this conversation today. Yeah, and as, as you referred to, we met just over a year ago, didn't we? And you, mm-hmm. you are the chair, well, mm-hmm. not, not the self-appointed. We're... I went to the toilet when the, <laughs> when the voting was taking place. We appointed you unanimously <laughs> as the chair of the Cancer Research Backed Initiative, Manchester Beats Cancer. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about your personal story? Because the, the, the fact that you're sitting here two years on from, from a, pretty, a pretty life-threatening illness is, mm-hmm. is amazing. And the way you approach your, your life is is simply inspirational and humbling. Um, so yeah, can you just share a little bit about what actually happened? So I, uh, it was in August of 2017 and I had been through uh, a separation from my husband, had two very small children, um, was on maternity leave at the time from my kind of previous career in, in, in corporate banking. Um, I was completely exhausted, had just embarked or was considering embarking on a new business venture with, uh, yeah. with a friend of mine. Um, so usual case of a really tired mum of two small children trying to do everything, failing fast, failing often. Yeah. And simply felt that I was kind of physically unwell or, or my symptoms, um, the way in which I was feeling was a, a physical manifestation of stress that we all encounter at some point in our lives. Yeah. So I headed down to the doctor to have a conversation um, and it became immediately evident to her, at least, that uh, this was something much bigger than stress. So that was on a Tuesday morning. Uh, she sent me to the local hospital just next door for some blood tests, a quick ch- chest x-ray to check that there was, in her words, nothing major going on. Um, and lo and behold, there was a dinner plate sized tumour sat uh, wedged nicely between my heart and my lungs. So that was, and that was sort of the same afternoon. That was that, was that, very, that very day. 48 hours later, and I'm uh, sort of CT scans, uh, various other tests in hospitals, and I was given a diagnosis of lymphoma. At that point, they didn't, they didn't quite know, and that's cancer. Yeah. So that's blood cancer, so cancer of your lymphatic system, um, as well as this delightful, enormous tumour to boot. Um, and yeah, that was Tuesday to Thursday in August 2017. And that, that's, when, that's when this insane journey started. You, I, I think, I firmly believe you have two choices yeah. when you're faced with something, any sort of trauma whatsoever. Doesn't it doesn't have to be illness related, and it's either you sort of you get your head down and you you ask the question, well, what's next? What's next? Uh, what will improve my chances? How can I get help? Stick your hand up and ask for help. Yeah. Confide in those people around you, <clears throat> and as a team, you will find your way through, which is kind of which is where I'm at today. And how's life changed since your illness? And, sure. and how do you now approach life? 
I should probably say that I'm in remission. It's yeah. a key piece of information. Right, cool. so I, I'm not dead. Previously, I was very, I had a very linear career. Um, I had a very structured life. I knew what I wanted to achieve. I knew what that might look like by way of um, physical possessions, as we all do. Um, and none of that exists anymore. And yeah. it sounds quite radical. But I think it takes the prospect of facing your own mortality to figure out what doesn't doesn't matter to yeah. you. And I don't necessarily have that much of a plan. I have very much more of a portfolio career, which I enjoy hugely. But I say yes all the damn time, because why not? And I'm considerably more relaxed. Very little bothers me. Yeah. I just want to achieve more, but in a sense of the things that make me feel good, not because I think I should be doing them. And I think the charm of, I've been following you on all the social platforms mm-hmm. in the past, Last year or so, I think the, the charm of seeing you throw yourself into absolutely everything <laughs> is amazing. It's fascinating. Yeah, you know, I, I, I actually do get it. I'm, I'm not a big Instagrammer, but follow a few people and so always, what, always God's your story. So what trouble I've got in there? Exactly. And you're running down the street in Manchester one day and promoting some charity the next day in London. It's it. It really is, you know, humbling and inspiring to to see that. I hope so. I hope um, so. So how, how have you used um, social media during mm. your treatment, um, specifically Instagram? And I guess what was the motivation behind that? And how were you looking to help other people who are on a similar journey? Yeah, so I, I'm firstly, I'm, a, I'm actually an exceptionally private person, believe it or not. From, and the, the point to make here is that I can share I can share anything and everything on social media, but it may well be the case that people don't quite know who I am. Yeah. That's simply a window and it's, it's dressed in the way that I choose to dress it. Um, I, I lost my mum prior to my own diagnosis. I lost my mum a few years, a, p- a few years earlier to cancer. And I was exceptionally determined from the day of my diagnosis that good could come from bad without knowing what the outcome was, without, without knowing the prognosis. Yeah. You know, I, I was 32 at the time of, of being diagnosed. That's pretty young in cancer circles, but not unusual. There was no other obvious support system available to me. I actually remember having... The, my girlfriend's over for a takeaway at some point in that first week. You have to answer a lot of questions all the time to friends and family. Well, what's the most efficient way of doing so? Well, I'll, I'll just put updates on Instagram. And, mm. and I think at the time I had about 15 people following me, all of whom I would speak to on a daily basis anyway. Yeah. Um, and we made a decision collectively to kind of chart the journey, whatever the end of that might look like. And the intention being, there had to be other people out there who were in my position, surely. Yeah. And with no obvious place for me to refer to, I just, if not me, then who? And it's created some phenomenal opportunities. It's opened my eyes to things that I never knew existed. I've connected with people who have improved my life immeasurably. Fantastic. And I kind of say this with some hesitation, actually, but there's been not one negative aspect of me sharing my story not one in you know the thousands of comments the 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 hundreds of messages the tens of messages I still get on a daily basis not one negative comment someone commented on an outfit I had on once actually (laughs) that didn't go down well that's not bad going yeah so it can be a force for good and do you respond to all those comments or try to respond to all those comments because that's that could be a Mm full-time job in itself I always think if somebody takes the time to send me a message and they're often sharing their own story or asking for advice or their friend is in, in a similar position, 
I will take the time to respond. It's really difficult to respond to, yeah. to everybody. And it was at one time really overwhelming. And actually all it made me do was just, you know, write a slightly longer post about the things yeah. that might be going on the way I was feeling to try and answer some of those questions for yeah. people that I may not have been able to get back to. But it's, for me, it's been a force for good. And for the people around me, it's been a force for good. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of heat around social media. Um, so we're talking, having this conversation. It's just fresh off the back of Mental Health yeah. Awareness Week. And, yeah. you know, it does have an impact. Yeah. It's had only a positive impact in my life. Yeah. And I guess knowing that you're providing a chink of positive light to people who are going through incredible dark times yeah. must, must be really, I guess, fulfilling for you as well. Yeah, very much so. I... I Kind of, as you mentioned earlier, I'm chair of Manchester Speaks Cancer and I do a lot of work with Cancer Research UK. I chaired a conference for them a few weeks back and it struck me in that moment that charities, volunteers, fundraisers are constantly asking or they feel like they're constantly asking for something from people in order to make a difference. Yeah. But actually from my perspective, what I've gained personally from volunteering, my time and my skill set and expertise far outweighs their ask. Yeah. So I've benefited much more than anybody else, really, which sounds quite selfish. But initially I started this, this is, you know, something for me. Yeah. And if I wasn't going to be here at the end of it, then it was a nice square photo diary for people to look back on. Thanks that you are. You still are. So tell us about Manchester Beats Cancer. What, what, what is it all about? Yeah, so I... When I was diagnosed, uh, the first phone call that I made was to my dad. And that was... That was tricky because he'd lost his wife a few years earlier and I'm his only child. Uh, he's He's been touched by cancer himself as well. So my first conversation was to my dad and it was during that phone call that I was determined to make something somehow find some good or make something yeah. good from the situation. And then my second phone call after that was to Cancer Research UK because it's very difficult for any of us to switch off from supporting a cancer charity on the basis that at some point we will be touched by it either personally or otherwise without blowing smoke up, up your backside with you, <laughs> with you being the driving force behind it i'm sure well, okay i am <laughs> as i say i'm sure we'll, i'm sure we'll get it off the ground i'm sure it'll be a, a huge success so. it's a huge team effort though there are people yeah. you know and every question that we've asked um every you know everywhere we've turned for support people have said yes um, so I don't, yeah, I have no, I have no doubt. And there'll be so many different ways that everyone listening can get involved with. Yeah. That we'll, we'll share, we'll be shared yeah. over various different platforms. Um, and how did you feel about sharing something so personal with, you know, with your, with your audience? Yeah. How did you feel about that? I, I had, well, I didn't for one second believe that, that it would turn into, into kind of this story that it has now. I, I remember... I was the headline article on the Daily Mail online until the Catalonian government overthrew me. <laughs> and I think it's just a sense, it was just a sense of the normal, yeah. that there's nothing extraordinary about it. It's just a daily battle that people go through that behind closed doors, nobody sees. Yeah. So I felt very quickly as if I didn't have much choice, if I was going to do this and I was going to do it justice, yeah. and if I was going to help people in some way then it it had to be all or nothing yeah all i got was support back so it was a bit of a no-brainer yeah fantastic and how do you juggle motherhood with two young children and all these other commitments that you keep saying yes to you thought you'd learn by now badly <laughs> I'm sure you badly um my 
my support network is a very, very strong one. I'm really incredibly fortunate. I don't think people stick their hands up and ask for help often enough. Yeah. I should have done it years ago. My my network of girlfriends is um, are, are, are just the best. They kind of they pick my kids up from school. They drop them off. They would sit through chemo with me. They would fill my fridge up with food for me. Um, they really were the backbone and, and and what got me through certainly the grueling twelve months of treatment or so. Yeah. I by way of juggling now, it's a case of. The kids come first, they're happy in a routine, they're happy at nursery, they're happy at school. They, as long as they're happy and they're settled, yeah. then then why should you not say yes to everything else? Yeah. I could go home and iron and I could go home and tidy the kitchen yet again. Or I could find a way of, of fulfilling myself somewhat. Happy me. Happy Mimi's kind of happy mom, happy kids. And do you think you'd have had the same mindset had you not had, had the honest to overcome? Never. So if this hadn't never happened. Million years. No. Never, never. I can see it has a ripple effect. So my close circle, we all say yes often, and we would never have dreamt of it previously. Yeah. And it's just, it's a, you know, it's a social problem, isn't it? You feel often constrained by these roles that you are given, be it mom, dad businessman whatever it might be you feel there's an obligation to perform in some some role yeah um i don't believe in that anymore and what does the next six to twelve months look like for you then (laughs) what's what's around the corner or you just literally flying (laughs) the kite and seeing where you go with it pretty much (laughs) i manchester beats cancer is is a priority it's it's difficult to juggle everything it's very much teamwork dependent but manchester beats cancer is a priority I am back in my own business kind of full time now. I underestimated the impact that the disease would have on my ability to function cognitively. So very simply, getting to the bottom of emails was a challenge. Remembering to call somebody back was very difficult because of the impact of, of, of chemo. So I dabbled in work throughout treatment. I went back to work very, very quickly at the end of it and had to pull myself away. Actually, there's no shame in me saying I, I did it all too quickly. Yeah. Um, so taking some time out, got my brain back working as it as it should be. So it's building the business, which excites me enormously. Brilliant. And how is business? It's good. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's as you well know, it's a it's a challenge. Yeah. You some days you wing it, some days you're on top of it and you're some flying. Some days, most days <laughs> we wing it, don't we? <laughs> That's okay. Kicks us by the seat of our pants. Yeah, it? we've given up thinking that one day we'll know what we're doing. It'll, it, it will be what it'll be. We're all just yeah. trying our best. Yeah. And it's exciting. It's different. It's a challenge. Very different to the corporate world I come from. I, I, I can't see me ever going back there. I can't even imagine you sitting in a bank being a corporate person. No, I know. <laughs> I know. I was always somewhat a, a renegade. Yeah. But, and, and my frustrations from that, would come from people not moving quickly enough or people not feeling empowered to make decisions. Yeah. And it's always the same across big corporates. It, you know, it doesn't matter. It happens in small businesses as well. People not feeling empowered to make decisions and to, to take matters into their own hands. That, that, that I found a challenge. Yeah. And from a Manchester Beach Cancer perspective, above and beyond donating, mm-hmm. how can everyone get involved? Or how can people, business get involved just as a, yeah. as a, as a quick... Quick segue. Yeah, so I guess the important thing to, to note about Manchester Beats Cancer is that we're not we're not here to shake buckets and to ask people for cash as such. Yeah. 
as you well know, sitting on the board alongside me, we are here to share our expertise and our skill sets and our experience to create conversations, to open networks, open doors, and to collaborate effectively across all 10 of the greater Manchester boroughs. Our primary focus is, will be centred around the rebuild of the Patterson Institute, which burnt down in April 2017. Again, a very classic story of a Manchester-based rebuild campaign. Um, But much wider than that, it will go to all, or to any research that would benefit kind of anyone on a national global level, but it will be based out of the Greater Manchester Research Centres. Yeah. It's important to say that it's a tripartite arrangement between the University of Manchester and the Christie, and there are not many places worldwide that have this hub of collaboration. So people can help by giving us their time. They can help by connecting us with, with anyone that they think would be of benefit. We would like to, to touch through this initiative as many cross-sections of society as possible. So we've talked a lot about kind of education and getting yeah. into schools. We've yeah. talked about um, getting in touch and having conversations with communities whereby cancer isn't necessarily spoken about as openly. Yeah. Um, the corporate world always will play a part, you know, charity, partners of the year, etc. Yeah. We're interested in those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, Manchester is a great sporting city. If we can't if we can't tie up with the sporting world in one way, shape or form, then we failed. So there's many other ways. It's it's conversations and skills and expertise and time and interest. And if you are interested in making a difference, then Manchester East Cancer is the place. Great, fantastic. Well, Ruth, it's been absolutely fascinating talking <laughs> to you. Thank, Thank you. you so much again for giving up your time. Thank you for having me. Um, no, you're welcome. Um, you're welcome. Um, it's, been, it's been a pleasure. I hope you've you enjoyed yourself. I have, of course. I've talked all day. <laughs> Next time, we're going to be joined by Josh Bolland. He is the co-founder of technology innovation business, JB Cole, and he's also the chair of Beamer Manchester. Hope you can tune in. <laughs>